Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Taking a walk. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Don't don't settle with the notion that you have to do what everyone else is doing. Do something that makes you feel uncomfortable, but also makes you feel. And that's the key component is feeling. This is the Taking a Walk podcast, hosted by Buzz Knight. Buzz talks with musicians, ranging from new and independent artists to Hall of Famers. On this episode, he's joined by rock singer Tristan Tritt, discussing his upcoming tour and his latest project called Cause It's Mine. Tristan speaks his mind on inauthenticity in the songwriting process from some artists. Join Buzz and Tristan next on Taking a Walk. Well, Tristan, thanks for being on a uh, virtual edition of the Taking a Walk podcast. Uh, We like doing them in person, but we love seizing the opportunity virtually whenever possible. And uh, I'm so glad to meet you. Very nice to meet you as well. Thank you for having me. Tristan, the latest single is called Cause It's Mine. Talk about the message of the song um, and in particular what authenticity means to you. Absolutely. Um, I think that the artist that inspired me the most when I was first falling in love with music and falling in love with rock were all people who had a very apparent sense of authenticity. And that was something that was always drilled into me even as a kid of like sticking to your guns and being you know responsible for your actions but also willing to find your path and stick to it and not just go with the wind as everyone wants you to go and be a part of you know the the mass crowd so the, it's it's a tongue in cheek song in a lot of ways but there's definitely a lot of truth kind of peppered on top of it of actual conversations that I've had in my first couple of years in Nashville 
trying to figure out what it's like to be an artist and having people who aren't really artists themselves, but are trying to tell you how to write songs and become who they think you should be. And this is just my way of kind of poking back at them. And who are some of the artists uh, today that you admire for their authenticity? And then going back to when you were growing up that you admire for their authenticity? Absolutely. Well, I think right now is a really special time in music where there's just such a wide variety of artists and the, the internet has really done a good job of kind of giving us a much more, I guess, wider bandwidth of understanding artists from different cultures and, you know, all from the Northeast Pacific Northwest to South Africa, it's all over the map. But some of my favorite artists, there's a British guy who kind of does like really beautiful singing and really cool raps within his name's Ren, R-E-N. And then um, there's an artist named Ro Capara. There's a band from Minnesota named Dury. And all these bands have very unique styles from one another, but they they give me a lot of hope because they're about my age, you know, probably in their mid-20s, early 20s, and just really full of piss and vinegar and and have a very unique sound that's not not something that I've really heard before. But you can definitely tell that they have a lot of influences from artists that I grew up with, which were like the Black Sabbath, the Motorheads, the the Radioheads, all, I mean, all those bands. When did you first realize that you were hooked on music and you were going to be a musician? I, I was always a part of, I, I think music was always a part of me in one shape, form or fashion, but it wasn't until, oddly enough, 2020, I decided to finally do music as a as an artist and go you know fully into it and the opportunity kind of came from an opportunity not happening i was supposed to be in california and working with some other artists as like under a management company and completely different route but things kind of didn't go the way they were supposed to and it worked out for the best because i was forced with an opportunity to actually try something that i never done before and it was the thing that i guess in the back of my mind, I always wanted to do, but I was so terrified, had horrible stage fright and was just not ready in my own head to be in front of people and be judged in that way. But once my back was kind of against the wall and the opportunities fell to the wayside after 2019, I was like, okay, well, this is the time to really kind of hone in the skill. So it, it, it really became a part of my life starting in 2020. But I guess since I was a kid, the industry itself is always, you know, struck a chord with me, no pun intended. And your father, Travis Tritt, had to have some influence on you, I'm thinking. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he, he, had, an, he had an influence just with really doing a good job, him and my mother both, of not pushing me in one way or another to be in the industry, but always showing me, kind of just guiding me and letting me see with my own two eyes what it can be about. And he was also very blatant the, the older I got of, letting me know like the goods and the bads with it, just like any industry that you work in. It doesn't matter what field, there's always going to be the plus and the negative. So he was very open with me about having, you know, mature discussions about what goes on in the industry and like how you can look out for it. And just, it, it, it was, it was really looking back now, I was very fortunate to have that position where he never really pushed me into any field, but he definitely guided me enough to, kind of let me see it a little bit more clearer than most. It's almost like a uh, MBA class uh, having a dad like uh, like your father, right? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you too. He goes, it's moving so fast now, the industry as a whole that he can't keep up. He goes back in, you know, the nineties, it was such a different, much more analog world. Physical sales were still very much the, the primary means of income for art, for not just artists, but labels nowadays with streaming and all that we're as an artist right now, an up and coming artist, it's, it's, it's a weekly thing of trying to figure out what to do next because it's constantly shifting on you, you know? So he, he'll be the first one to say he doesn't really even know how, how to do it now anymore. And you clearly like the concept of not fitting into a particular category, right? Correct. Yeah. Even as a young kid, I, I don't think I really, like I would hang out with everyone, you know, for the most part, but I didn't clicks and clicks and groups kind of weird me out. It feels a little cultish. So I, I, as soon as there's too many people like me in a room, I feel like I have to kind of be the contrarian just to, just to keep things fresh. And you were influenced uh, as a young man by Guitar Hero. Talk about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Guitar Hero really was the, uh, I think that was the catalyst for the whole music world for me because it just it it made rock and roll cool again because it was the fact that it was a bunch of kids my age discovering it i say that in quotes because it was obviously it's been there long before us but we discovered it on our own through a video game and it just made it cool again and it it threw me down a rabbit hole of discovering so many fantastic artists from the you know 60s and up at the time of uh, us recording this episode um you're recording new music, an EP uh, that's going to be called uh, What Are We Doing? Describe the creative process when you go into the studio. Absolutely. Um, for me, there really is two forms to go with it, I, and this is completely anecdotal. Everyone's different, but I typically I like to come in with at least a foundation of what I want. And uh, that could be a melody or it could be something as simple as a song title or even like a half a lyric, just something, something to kind of guide the rest of the process. Because I think there can be a bit of friction when you have too much room for imagination and there's not really a, a parameter set and people can kind of go off on their own routes. And it's very, it's very difficult sometimes to hone it back into the original thought process. and. The second part of that is I like to be in a room with no more than about three people and really let their minds work as well. I'm not territorial when it comes to who writes what lyric or who comes up with what so much as it melds together in a way that makes sense. If someone is listening to this and they are uh, aspiring to grow their musical career, when you think of the creative process in the studio, what advice would you give them? Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Don't don't settle with the notion that you have to do what everyone else is doing. Do something that makes you feel uncomfortable, but also makes you feel. And that's the key. It's the key component is feeling. This is a very much a cerebral endeavor where you're 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 really having to get in touch with a lot of emotions. It's not a it's not a numbers game. This is very much based off your own feelings. And if, if it's something that touches you, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense for what's popular at the moment or what's what everyone's moving towards, if it makes you feel something, that's that's the whole point. 
And it took me a lot of trial and error to realize that making the songs that other people wanted me to make versus making the songs that I wanted to make was so much more of a gratifying feeling in the end. Because obviously the people who want you to do something, as soon as you produce produce the track and you you know give it to them, they're stoked about it. But if you can't go to sleep at night knowing that you truly made the best song that you possibly could do, then I, to me it's not worth it. What, what's the point of being in this in the first place? So be comfortable with being uncomfortable, but definitely push the boundaries within yourself. And you're going to be heading out on a tour. Uh, talk about the tour, what that means to you, and the joy of performing in front of people. Uh, yeah, February 22nd, we start off in my um, home state of Georgia. We're playing in aisle five in Atlanta. Me and a uh, band from New Jersey called America Part Two, and I'm very, very much looking forward to hanging out with these guys. Love their music, and they just seem like just really genuine people. But there's a certain magic that comes with playing music live as opposed to just being in a recording studio. I think a recording studio, you have a lot more room for creativity and, you know, trying things over and over and over again. But there's a adrenaline that you just cannot replicate other than live. And that's really that's really what made me want to get into music in the first place. I love recording more than more than most, but I would take being on stage over anything. And um, the type of venues uh, that you're going to be playing in, what sort of uh, places are these? Anything from music bars to halls to like smaller theater type venues. Like it's it's. It's it's mainly this run is going to be in the southeast region, so it's a lot of bars and halls right now. What was the earliest concert experience you remember? Uh, besides my father's, because I was kind of a tour bus baby with my sister for about two years, so I I, I got my fair share of those. Uh, one of the first shows I ever saw was, I think it was Kid Rock and ZZ Top. ZZ Top opened, and it was Kid Rock, and then... Yeah, it was at the uh, Lakewood Amphitheater, or what it used to be called, the Lakewood Amphitheater in Atlanta. And some other shows that you've seen that really made an impact on you? Oh, absolutely. I saw the Black Crows about two years ago, saw My Chemical Romance, which was fantastic. And then recently in November, I saw Avenged Sevenfold, and they were fantastic. Some, some of my favorite bands. So when you go to see these shows, do you take uh, take away particular elements that enhance your performance since since starting to be an artist in 2020 i've really taken the time to study um the frontmen and really see the confidence and the almost playfulness that they have when they're on stage and chris robinson is an excellent example of that he is such a force to be reckoned with when he's on stage with the black crows and and he has such a almost lackadaisical approach to being a front man, but it, it's, it's powerful in its own way. And I'm much, I'm very similar in that. I'm, I'm almost what they would call a spaz on stage because I don't care, but it's the freedom of that, that makes the kind of, it's, it's the way that the art comes through me, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. And the joy has to come out of it, right? I mean, that's critical. Yeah. It, it's that classic saying, dance like no one's looking. But when you think about a great performance and just leaving it all out there, um, are there any adages when you think of that that apply to your thinking about a concert? Yeah, um, 
I think with certain con because I've seen so many uh, such a wide variety within festivals or just individual concerts there the I think the one thing that they have in common is there's almost this surrender to the audience and that surrender with that comes this it's almost a symbiotic relationship of the people in the crowd and the person on stage or the band on stage and they're melding together in unison and singing the same song or melody or harmony and it's it's probably one of the most powerful things you can witness as a human being, in my opinion. And how does it make you feel when you know you have connected with an audience, whether it be at a concert or you meet someone and your music has connected with them? How does that make you feel? Having my music connect with fans is something that has very recently happened just with the the amount of songs I've been putting out. So there, there's been a lot more opportunity for them to listen, but in recent circumstances, having people sing back my lyrics has been probably one of the most just un it's almost undescribable because you, I never in a million years thought that this, I would be doing this first and foremost, but let alone have people who are singing my lyrics back. And since I was a kid, the one thing that, I always wanted to do or I always resonated with the artists that I looked up to was the fact that they made me not feel alone and they made me kind of feel like it was okay to be the outsider, the kind of weird, you know, kind of fringe person that I've always been. And seeing people, kids, all that stuff, like I mean, like teenagers singing it back to me, that's that was surreal. I mean, absolutely surreal. And you're like, okay, like I in my mind, mission accomplished. I don't care if it's fifteen people or fifteen hundred people, that was it was incredible. So back to writing for a second. I mean, I feel like in terms of your writing, whether it be Because uh, It's Mine or uh, No Filter, um, you have a lot that you're uh, wanting to get off your chest. Um, when you were young, were you always writing your thoughts down in terms of songs or poetry or anything like that? I, uh, I probably started doing that around seventh grade, and it was almost like... Um... Like I would write like jokey songs, you know, kind of taboo jokey stuff that I would listen to, like kind of based off of the current artists that were in my playlist at the time, I guess on my iPod. But since then, I've gone from writing, you know, little things of poetry every now and then to just really putting pen to pad and getting any kind of emotions or stress out. And I think that that's it really does work as crazy as it sounds and kind of woo woo as it is the ability to put pen to pad and actually just write out what's going through your head somehow or another it turns it into a physical thing and it doesn't seem as overwhelming as before so when i'm writing about something that's really i guess beating me down whether it's a it's a breakup or it's a identity crisis or it's anything like that existential you know angst whatever you want to you know label it as writing things down and just kind of putting it in a simplistic format like a song really helps digest it in the long run and make and it helps you zoom out as a as a spectator and it makes me become a spectator of the things that i'm dealing with what do you think you would have done if you weren't a musician that's a good question uh i'd probably still be in the industry in some way shape or form just because i love i love the business side of it as well um administrative i love kind of being organized and getting things to to come together. 
Um, seeing what my management puts up with now, I don't know if I'd, I'd still want that. But uh, yeah, I, I think the industry still it's it's got me in a stranglehold, and I, I would be working in music some some way. So if you could just uh, get a crystal ball out and dream up who you would be able to collaborate with over the next year, who would some of those people be? For sure, there's a there's an artist based out of Texas named Austin Mead, and I think, especially with his more recent music, our our sound would collide pretty well. Um, there's there's plenty of bands like uh, I think his name's Dexter and the Moon Rocks, and they're fantastic. They just got signed out in Nashville. Would love to work with them. There's a lot of these younger guys that I want to work with um, down the road that I think would just be really really cool to kind of have them see my audience and me see theirs and, you know, help each other out. And any, uh, veterans that you'd like to work with that, uh, if you were able to just dream that up. Are, are we talking dead or alive? Yeah. Let's say dead or alive. Exactly. Well, I know he's not really in the best of health, but I'm a massive Ozzy Osbourne fan. I think doing any track with Ozzy would be a dream come true. And then next under that, um, just because he's such a sweetheart and such a lover of music, I I would love to work with Dave Grohl. I love that. So then, crystal ball out where you're headed in the next uh, twelve to twenty four months. What are you envisioning? Really, just being back in the studio as much as possible, even after the EP, and honing in the sound for not only upcoming tours, but just really, really getting an understanding of where we want to go once the LP drops, you know, how many ever months or years uh, or year. But I just want to, I want to make sure I'm, I'm pushing myself as a writer as much as possible and getting, like I said before, getting out of the comfort zone and really digging deeper than I ever have before. That's what I want to do. I really want to just open up and be as, literally naked on the on the on the pen and pad or or sonically naked where where it's not there's no front there's no imagery that i'm trying to put up or 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 fake imagery i just want it to be me as human as possible because i think that's that's when i feel the most content with what i put out is when it's the most bare bones style of 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 what i'm going through at that moment and in closing in terms of learning what that you have not learned do you want to learn it's kind of a it's it's kind of an open-ended question for me because i think that being the dumbest one in the room is always a, a benefit for me so i'm always learning you know I've, i find out how stupid i am every single day because i'm surrounded by people who know so much and i'm i'm fortunate enough to be surrounded by them so i i i, I can't put a pin on exactly what it is i want to learn but as long as i can listen every single day i think i'm going to figure out something new as you know, for the rest of my life, I'm a forever student. How old are you? 24. You're much wiser than your, your age, my friend. I appreciate that. I appreciate you being on Taking a Walk. I wish you well on the studio and that work with the EP. And I wish you well on this tour. And I wish you only great things in your career. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you once again for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Taking a Walk podcast. Share this and other episodes with your friends and follow us so you never miss an episode. 
Taking a Walk is available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.